Our Old Testament reading is from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 12, verses 19 to 24. And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we might not die. For we have added to all of our sins this evil, to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done this evil. Yet you do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will, forsake, will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with your, all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. The word of the Lord. Today's psalm is Psalm 68, verses 1 to 20. We will read responsively by whole verse. Let God arise, let his enemies be scattered. Let those who hate him also flee before him. But let the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. Let them also be merry and joyful. A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. O God, when you went forth before the people, when you went through the wilderness, you, O Lord, sent a gracious rain upon your inheritance and refreshed refresh the land when it was weary. The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those who proclaimed the tidings. Though you have lain among the sheepfolds, yet shall you be like the wings of the dove and are covered with silver, and whose feathers shine like gold. As the hill of Bashan, so is God's hill, even a high hill as the hill of Bashan. The chariots of God are 20,000, even thousands of angels, and the Lord has come from Sinai into the holy place. You 
Praised be the Lord daily, even the God who help us and pours his benefits upon us. He is our God, the God from whom salvation comes. God is the Lord, by whom we shall save death. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Our New Testament reading today is from the book of Acts, chapter 1, the first 11 verses. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, after he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So when they came together, he asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. For you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men sto stood before them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. The word of the Lord. The gospel this morning is from John chapter 19, uh, chapter 20. Verses 19 through 23. Will you please stand for the reading of the gospel? Church, this is the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. And Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so am I sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Please be seated. I'm very thrilled today to be able to welcome Father Wilson West uh, to bring us God's Word. He is the curate up at our Sending Church, Church of the Incarnation. Uh, the curate is like a apprentice pastor or a kind of a, a senior pastor in training. Think of it like a medical residency. And so it's a very rigorous three-year um, cycle that he's in. And so he's not only doing that, but he's also the director of youth ministry. He's the, the youth ministry pastor up at Incarnation. And 
for the past two years, it's been a real privilege to get to know him. Uh, we get to see each other once a month at our deanery gatherings, and I'm delighted that he's going to come preach for us on Ascension Sunday. Wilson? Thanks, Jay. It's really, really great to be here with you guys. I've been wanting to come for a while now, so this is just awesome to be here. Um, yeah, like Jay said, my name's Wilson. I would love to meet all you guys, whoever I haven't met yet. Um, so thanks for having me this morning. Uh, like Jay said at the very beginning, today is the Sunday after Ascension Day. Um, the Ascension is this day right near the end of the Easter season where we celebrate that the risen Lord, right, ascends to his rightful place at the right hand of the Father, on the throne, above all things in heaven and earth, visible and invisible, right? Okay, that is a huge thing to say. And it's also a theological statement, which means it's very easy for that to go in one ear and out the other. And it's very difficult to figure out what exactly we're celebrating or why we should be excited about something like that. Jesus being in his rightful place, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with me when I'm in a circle of my friends or family or people I'm working with and I'm trying to figure out what my place is? What does that have to do with you when you're struggling in your work or contemplating what it might look like to, if you're wondering if you're in the right vocation, right? What, what does it have to do with us when we've like, been a bad parent for the third day in a row? We need some sort of uh, bigger story to fit into, to make sense of our ordinary day-to-day -day details of our lives. We need, there is some bigger story that we're dealing with. We need some bigger story to fit into as we imagine what it looks like to be a neighbor or a wife or a husband or a boss or an employee, right? And Jesus speaks directly to this issue of where our place is right before he ascends. So in our reading from Acts, Jesus says this, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And then in our gospel reading, which is actually where we're going to spend our time this morning, um, Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. So we're witnesses and we are ones who are sent. Now what's that mean? Well, you've got to understand what Jesus did in order to be a witness of it. Right, or to be sent like he was sent. Um, so let me give just one piece of really important furniture for this room we're going to be in before we kind of dig in a little deeper, okay? You have to understand what Jesus did in order to know what you're a witness of or, or what you're being sent out to do. What Jesus did in his earthly life, his, his life, his death, and his resurrection was to launch God's final work of new creation in the middle of the old creation in the middle of this old, tired world, right? God had always promised there would be a day when goodness, truth, and beauty would cover every single nook and cranny of this world. But the big surprise of the Bible is that he did that right in the middle of history, in Jesus. Jesus launched the new creation. And so now it is developing, and it is working against all ugliness, and all injustice, and all decay and sin. And Jesus has ascended to the throne, and he is the king that is overseeing that entire project until he comes again, until it comes to fruition. This is the bigger story in which we can find our place. Just like Jesus was sent to bring what's new into the world, so we are sent. 
And so we are witnesses of that truth. So here's the question I want to ask today. How do we find our place in Jesus's kingdom? How do we find our place in what Jesus is doing in this world? Um, Our reading from John's gospel gives us this beautiful, intimate scene of Jesus doing just that, giving them their place in this big, expansive, complicated thing that he's doing in the world. How do we find our place in Jesus's kingdom? Okay, first, by experiencing his joy and peace. We find our place in his kingdom by first, before anything else, experiencing Jesus's joy and peace. So if you've, got, uh, if you've got a Bible with you or if you've got it online somewhere, John chapter 20, verse 19 says this. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then his disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. So here we find the disciples locked inside of room. Fearful of what is going on outside, which is what fear feels like, isn't it? It feels like living in this cramped space, shut behind closed doors, unable to see what's going outside, unable to figure out what it might look like to move out. And it's into that situation that Jesus just shows up, right? He doesn't even unlock the doors. He just shows up in our midst, which is how Jesus shows up in our lives. Isn't that so good? We all know that when, like, when we are drowning, a really good friend will not fix our problem right at the beginning. A really good friend just shows up in the midst of it and is just there. Well, that's what Jesus does. The doors are still locked. We don't even know how he got in. Like Our problem is not fixed yet, but there he is. Experience will tell you that's true. Jesus just shows up into our anxious fears and says what? What's the first word he says to the disciples? Peace. Peace be with you. Notice, he doesn't rebuke them for abandoning him just two days before. This was, this was the day he was resurrected. His first word is not rebuked. Why did you all run away after I trained you for three years? You know? He doesn't start with a call to confess their sin. He doesn't immediately tell them to get outside and go to work. I've done this great thing. Get out there. The first word is peace. And then he shows them the rock-solid reality of his resurrected body. He shows them his hands and his side. And when the disciples saw it, they were, they were glad, which is like a super tepid translation, right? It means they were—I ex- don't know how to say it. They were, the, real, the Greek is they were joyful with joy, like they were exuberant. But joy just came out of the seams when they saw Jesus alive again and saying peace to them. Wrap your mind for just a second how gracious Jesus is here. He has just borne the sin of the world, including including these men that he's in the room with. And yet there is not one hint of vindictiveness. Not Not even a hint of his being kind of guarded with them and keeping them at a distance. He just simply says, look at my hands and my feet. It's done. I've done it. Jesus replaces fear with two things, joy and peace. And we cannot do anything for Jesus until we experience his joy and peace. And that only comes by having a a real encounter and experience with him. Some of you disciples today, 
I would have to guess, if you're anything like me, you need to experience Jesus again, afresh. And what's it look like? It might, for you, mean hearing that his first word to you is peace. That's the foot you start on with him. Peace. It's that word shalom. Jesus saying shalom to you. There is wholeness between me and you. And I, I wish for your wholeness. And I am seeking after it. And so my love, my blessing, my forgiveness is yours. Peace to you. I wonder if some, some of you need to hear that again this morning. Maybe some of you haven't heard that word in a long time. And you're discouraged and stuck. His word to his people is not disappointment. It's not you're not doing good enough. It's peace. We are at peace with him. So some of you need to get into the secret of his presence again and hear that word afresh. Um, I got tired of reading the Bible these last couple weeks. It was just dry. Um, And so for me, it was a song recently, How Deep the Father's Love. Uh, It was reading Lord of the Rings as well, which I read semi-constantly, and I will reference it later on in in this sermon. But find out some way that will help you reimagine that this is true again. Jesus is alive and speaks peace to you. Some of you need to experience him again, and you need to experience his joy. Joy has to come before vocation, right? Because the Christian vocation is fueled by joy. And joy comes with a, re- with a real encounter with the living Jesus. Some God in the sky that kind of gives therapeutic encouragement and advice does not provide the deep, lasting well of joy that we need. There's no, there's no grace and truth. There's no rock-solid reality to that. This Savior that we worship is rock-solid, a human body with real scars from real wounds. And we encounter him through these scriptures, through his word. This word is alive. It's a place that we can meet him. And he'll open our eyes, the eyes of our hearts, we'll submit to it. So, finding our place in Jesus' kingdom begins by experiencing first his joy and his peace. And once we're filled with that, once we're filled again and again with his joy and peace, only then can we move on to the, to the second piece. We find our place in Jesus' kingdom second by reimagining our vocation, our calling. Reimagining what exactly Jesus has called us to. Um, what's shocking about what we're, what we're doing as Christians is not only uh, that we believe that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, um, but it's that he now sends us. God so loved the world that he, that he sent you, <clears throat> which that is a shocking thing. Uh, the church is not a group of people that meet together and do religious stuff, right? We are the group that meets together with Jesus and then are sent out as the Father sent him into the world. So verse 21, Jesus said to them again, peace be with you, says it twice, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. And then if you think about that for about two minutes, it should be absolutely terrifying Right? If you think about what Jesus did, now people were opposed to him and crucified him at the end of what he was doing. So then in verse 22, he said this. After he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So we're not alone. We're given real power. This is the first day of the, that we're looking at here. It's the first day after the resurrection, right? It's a new creation story. And it echoes the first creation story at every turn. So in the first creation, God breathed his breath 
onto human beings. And his breath and his spirit gives them life. And then in this scene, Jesus breathes on us again, giving us his Holy Spirit, new life, equipping us to be witnesses of the new creation and to be sent like he was sent. Witnesses to the fact that every nook and cranny of this world belongs to King Jesus. And so we are joyfully free to bring what is good and what is true and what is beautiful into every nook and cranny that he's given to us. Every nook and cranny of our families and of our work and of our friend circles, right? We can do that creative work in a, in a lighthearted, joyful kind of way because the king is on the throne. That's what it means to be sent, just as he sent us. All this and there's more. Look, verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, they're forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So now, beyond all that, the church takes up this priestly work of implementing God's forgiveness into the world. To someone who puts simple trust in Jesus, we can say, you're forgiven, and it's true. The guilt is gone. The shame can begin to be undone because Jesus has the power to undo it. Right? And of course, the inverse is true. Uh, back in John chapter 9, Jesus is talking to a group of Pharisees, and he says to them, if you, were blind, you, if you said you were blind, you would have no guilt, but now that you say we see, your guilt remains, right? So that's this piece about Jesus saying, if you withhold forgiveness, it is withheld, okay? It's a hard truth. There are some who would prefer the darkness to light. But we get to go out with the message that there is reconciliation between God and man. There is, there is forgiveness on the table for all we've ever done or said or thought, for every way that we've come up short. So Jesus breathes the breath of new life on us again. And we're his stewards. Um, now, this is really hard. This is really easy to forget. Um, it's really easy to grow discouraged. And we might know that, that Jesus is on the throne, but what we feel is that death and decay are really on the throne. And that they'll really have the last, the last word. Um, I promised you a, a Lord of the Rings reference, so here it is. This is the only one I do. I know this is like the most stereotypical thing. It's the only one I've got, though. It's from, uh, it's from the very end of the Fellowship of the Ring, if there are any Lord of the Rings geeks in here. Um, the company, right, is going, of the Fellowship is going to take the, the evil ring and destroy it so that Sauron, who, who is running all of the evil and malice in the entire world, will be destroyed. Uh, Sauron is taking over the world, and it's just this little overlooked company. That's on this mission. And at some point, they're talking to Lady Galadriel, right, who is this wise figure in Middle-earth. And the company's tired when they come to her. And they've lost the leader of their company, Gandalf. Um, and they each, each person in the company kind of has this interaction with her. And the movie actually shows this really well. It's like they make eye contact, and there are no words exchanged, but kind of this you know, thought is exchanged between them. Uh, and Tolkien in the book says this about their experience. So when they, when they talked to Galadriel, it was like each one of them uh, were given the chance to turn back. And each one of them was, was tempted with this vision of what it would look like to just turn around and go home. And he says, to leave the fighting with Sauron to someone else. There is the t I have been tempted so many times to just leave the fighting with Sauron to someone else. Just do what I want to do. Just, what would it look like to just give up, <laughs> throw in the towel, do what I want to do? It doesn't feel like this is real. 
But it is. Jesus is on the throne. And you, you're not going to leave the fighting with Sauron to someone else. Because he's given you his spirit. And he has not left you like an orphan. He will empower you to do this. And he is faithful. The kingdom of God grows like a, like a seed in the ground. It is slow. It's overlooked. Just like a company of eight people going through Middle Earth to destroy the ring. Right? Don't despise the day of small things. Don't despise how important it is to be faithful in your ordinary life and the nooks and crannies of what God has given you to do. Those things are not ordinary. They are extraordinary. And like Paul says in 2 Corinthians, we have the aroma of Christ and we are spreading it around wherever he has put us. And to some it's the aroma of life and to some it's the aroma of death. And then he wonderfully adds what we're all thinking. Who is sufficient for these things? Not us, but so it is. God is faithful, and we can follow him in freedom and in joy and in peace. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.